So anyway, this Ooh, is looks good. Hawaiian sea salt. I was going to say, it looks like, like uh, bacon bits. Yeah, it totally does. It's, uh, <laughs> the reason it's red is because little pieces of shrimp get in with the, with the, the uh, water and dries, of course. And then, so this is sort of a half Hawaiian, half, half Mexican margarita. Welcome to Conversation on Tap, an awesome podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and self-segregation. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty margaritas, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics that you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Joel. And I'm Jose. This week we're going to be talking about driving, a topic that I am very fond of. But in, in lieu of beer this week, what do we have? Looks like this week you've made us some delicious... Margaritas. I love the glasses they're in. But I kind of, when I first saw it, I thought you were putting bacon bits around the rim of the yeah. glass. What is that? So in Hawaii, some of the salt that Hawaiians used to make had shrimp in it. Mm. And they had these, these sacred salt grounds where they would um, pump up seawater and, of course, let the water evaporate, leaving salt. And the, But the areas that shrimp was left in mm-hmm. um, would be slightly sweeter. So the red salt of Hawaii and then you got the white salt. At least that's what we are told. I don't know if that's apocryphal because there's tons of red dirt in Hawaii, as, as you probably have heard. I don't Maybe know. Maybe like iron or yeah, something. Yeah, tons of iron in it. So it might be just dirty salt. Yeah, dirty salt. But uh, it, uh, it's on the famous and well-loved Kirkland margarita mix. I just love that stuff. Oh, have you had it before? I have. Okay, good. Costco, man. They're the best. Costco. Yes. We don't get paid by Costco. But <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. Ooh, well, that's salty. 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 Ah. If you see her on the street, don't try to choose her. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Joel and I will each share one thing that we are passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be chatterboxes, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I'm going to discuss tithing. It's interesting that there are a lot of Christian denominations that are very strict about tithing. So, for example, the Mormons, I believe, they ask their members to submit tax returns. And I think some other churches do this as well. Is that right? So they can see what they make and then hold them accountable to tithing. And, of course, tithing, if you don't know, means you're giving um, 10%. Wow, I didn't realize they were that strict. Some of them, I think Mormons are. And maybe that's just in some places, but that's typical. Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people get tithing wrong. Tithing goes back to the Old Testament because if you look at, for example, early on in Genesis, Melchizedek, and there is the um, sacrifice of the tithe, the sacrifice of the 10%. And then that became part of the Mosaic law, was you had to tithe 10%. To the temple. And back then, it wasn't money. It was probably more often animals and produce from your farm and whatever. 10% of whatever goods you produced, basically. Like 10% of your first fruits. So it could be income. It could be, yeah, your crops, what have you. But that's this is this is one of those interesting things where, in some cases, the Catholic Church teaches the things that belong to the temple, those, those rituals, those rules are no longer valid. Huh. So we don't. So we don't. We're not obligated to abide by tithing. 
Now we're not obligated to abide by like the food restrictions and everything either. Right. But um how do they decide that? Is there any logic in the Bible itself or did they just come up with it themselves? Well this or? is what so like for example, if you look in the Acts of the of the Apostles, right. Like Peter early on says, Oh yeah, all the food restrictions are gone. Oh, there anything, we go. Anything that has to do with the temple, because the temple is no longer the center of our religious life. Right. Right. That's it was a center of the Jewish life, right? Right. But it's no longer ours. So um, it's been formalized like in the catechism, you know, over the years. And it's part of the teaching over the millennia. But it's interesting because uh, it seems like tithing is much more an evangelical and fundamentalist phenomenon than it is Catholic. I don't it, hear as many Catholics say they tithe. Because tithing's not required. But if you look in um, the catechism, for example, I think it's, yeah, paragraph 2043. We are obligated to contribute something to the church for purposes of, like, upkeep. Keep the lights on, you know, paying for priests to, you know, sure. have food and clothing. It, you know, Catholic priests aren't, like, living high on the hog. I mean, they're living sometimes in spectacular cathedrals of the Vatican, but it's not like that belongs to them. Right. Right? It's not their, they don't own it. Right. Right? They're just living there. And that's the other thing, too, is if you look at all the ornate, you know, churches or paintings or what have you, and we don't have a tithing yeah. obligation. Um, instead, the catechism in the church teaches that we just give whatever we can based on our needs from the heart. So if you can tithe and it's in your heart that you want to tithe, go for it. Right. You're not obligated to. Interesting. Because I grew up, I think it was once a year, my dad saying, you know, he'd talk about tithing, and it was a, it was not a commandment, not that high mm-hmm. of a law, but if it wasn't 10%, it was, you know, we expect a certain percentage. Yeah. And um, um, it's so interesting, uh, as the son of a minister who doesn't go to church anymore, uh, to <laughs> think that my dad basically survived, and I survived on the tithes. True. And the money that people gave. Our church. Yeah. And um, it always makes me feel a little guilty that really? I don't do that anymore because a lot of people who, you know, rely on that yeah. wouldn't get it at all if everybody did as I'm doing. So there is actually a, a biblical warrant. So we there is, in Luke 21, there's that story of the old woman in the mite. You're familiar with this? Some people look Might at Might as in M-I-T-E or M-I-G-H-T? The M-I-T-E, like her last coin. Her last oh, okay. Coins. Gotcha. And right, I know that story. People use that story to defend tithing. Like, look, right, right. Jesus is watching this woman put in her last two coins, and he says, when he looked up, he saw some wealthy people putting their offerings into the treasury, and he noticed a poor woman or poor widow putting in two small coins. He said, I tell you truly, this poor widow put in more than all the rest, for those others have all made offerings from their surplus wealth, but she, from her poverty, has offered her whole livelihood. So people say, well, look, he's kind of promoting tithing or giving Actually, if you look in other places, like in Mark 12, Jesus says, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like respectful greetings in the marketplaces and chief seats in the synagogues and places of honors at banquets who devour widows' houses. Because they, it's part of their law. It's part of the law of giving your 10%. If, if you don't have, like, quote-unquote, enough to give 10%, it might be everything you own. Yeah. So he's saying, what he's actually saying is that system is wrong. Yeah. You shouldn't take everything that a widow owns. Yeah. You shouldn't take her last two 
coins. It shouldn't take her last two mites. Right. And, you know, this is so interesting in our world of increasing uh, differences between the, the, the wealthy and the poor. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, that verse means so much to me. also like to, to think about, like, finances and, and how brutal it would be for, or maybe not. No, this is crazy thinking on my part, how brutal it would be for billionaires to actually give a tenth True. every year, right? Mm-hmm. And how rich churches would be. And and maybe does that have, uh, it really does have a little bit to say about that verse about the rich having, what, the same chances of somebody getting their camel through the eye of the needle at, on the Jerusalem wall, you know? Yeah. It's so interesting to me how those all connect. And it's because, you know, for you know, if you're, if you're a billionaire, that's $100 million. Right. Right? Right. A tenth. So the church just simply says, give what you can from your heart. And it goes back to a theme, a religious theme we keep on harp- harping on in this show, where Jesus was so practical. Very. It, he, he disdained laws. He was like, you can't be like following laws just to follow the laws. Yeah. The laws are for practical reasons. The laws, Love that. The laws are meant to keep you from going outside of the boundaries. But the laws, if you're just following the laws, you're missing the point. The point. Oh, I love it. So that's my talk well, on tithing. You reduce, reduce my guilt um, already. Thank you <laughs> so much. You're welcome. <laughs> I never would have died, I don't think, even if I stayed in the church, but mm-hmm. um, I definitely know a lot of people who do, and I, I got to say, I respect them for it. Although, here's a question. Mm-hmm. If instead of giving to the church, right. you give to charity... That also counts. Okay, but do you know if that counts mm-hmm. for fundamentalist churches or evangelical churches or mainstream know. churches? The Catholic Church would say it counts. If you're giving, right. period, right. you're good. Right. But I don't know. And we would say even, too, like, time counts. Energy counts. Of course. Um, so the but money. I don't know about evangelicals. I to, yeah, or, I'll have to yeah. find out what they um, But I know that, that they do look at tithes as like you're in, it's like they call it the seed money, right? And the televangelists are really good about this. And you need to make a vow of faith of $1,000. Oh, Bob, couldn't you say 25? No, you can't make a $1,000 vow of faith. I'm saying in faith. I'm talking about what God says. And if you want the kind of miracles that are in the Bible, you're going to have to do what God said to do. Give us your oh, 10% man, and good. then you'll get back, you know, 10 yes. times or a hundred fold. So look yes. at it as an, a, a like an investment. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I'll give a hundred bucks and then God's going to give me back a yeah, thousand. exactly. So that's, it's, there's this weird kind of, I don't know, there's, it's an American sensibility that's in there. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's my, Love it. is my type talk. Very cool. All right. I have been so depressed lately about this podcast because you have this theme going with the Fred Talks, a religious Mm -hmm. theme. And I want, I'm always searching for something and I've just been dropping the ball on Fred Talks. Oh, your your TED Talks are... No, no, they're not. And anyway, they, I want a theme. And so I'm going to start a psychology theme for for Fred Talks. Mm -hmm. And I've always been super interesting in this one psychological phenomenon called the Dunning-Kruger effect. Huh. Have you ever heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? I've heard effect? of it, but I don't know what it is. Now, it has got a lot of implications for education. Uh-huh. Basically, it, it is that. if Let's say you're giving your kids in class a test. Right. Okay? And then maybe a few survey questions after the test to every single student where you say, mm-hmm. how confident on a scale maybe of one through five right. are you that you did well on the test? Okay. Now, 
let's just take the students who did poorly on the test. Mm-hmm. Where do you think they would rank their their confidence in how they did on the test, high or low? I would say they have low confidence. So the the students who did poorly on the test would would say that yeah, I don't think I did well. And the students who did well on the test, where would you say they would? I would say like they're not sure. Or kind of in the middle. Yeah. All right. So you got the. Second one, well, you got kind of the second one kind of wrong, but you got the first one very wrong. And this is one of the themes I'm going to try to bring out in these psychological studies. I like psychological studies that are totally counterintuitive. And this one just slapped me in the face because I totally didn't answer exactly like you did. Uh And it turns out that students who think that they did well on tests and and people in general on any kind of competency, people who did poorly generally rank themselves in the predictions as thinking they did well. And the inverse is true, Uh which is even to me more shocking. Well, actually, no. I think that the second... um, the second part is actually more um, intuitive in that people who felt like they did well were more likely to think they did poorly. Interesting. Yeah. And the explanation goes like this, that if you don't even know the standards that you're going to be judged by, there's right. no way for you to even understand how you, you've done. How you performed. How you performed, Right. right. And the, the ones who did well generally rank themselves lower because they have this assumption that everybody is like them, which we are like humans, yeah. and, and that they did worse compared to the general population. Huh. Yeah. So um, I can believe that because the last few days we've been doing the um, Smarter Balanced tests, and my students, for the most part, have said, oh, I think we did really badly. But I've had some students... Who are failing my class? Who are like, oh, this was easy. Exactly. We. I was just gonna say. So, dude, you know the implications on education for this. Mm-hmm. We constantly see these students right. who are incompetent. To be honest, always with overconfidence, and the the, yeah. the really competent students are much more likely to be humble or to be unsure about their results. Have you ever done this where you? Will allow your students to kind of assess themselves or evaluate themselves? No, but this is called metacognition in the educational yes. world, and it is showing more and more to be so effective. I do it with my kids, and I will tell you what. They are more brutally honest, or they're, they're more willing to grade themselves harder than I will grade them. Oh. So because they, at least the ones who are, I guess, more reflect, like self-reflective, assume that they didn't meet the standard. Yeah. Rather than thinking they met it or exceeded. Yeah. And another thing that is, this is sort of similar to is, is the way that we English teachers have in the past been grading our kids. I don't know that this really, um, maybe just to leave this part out, but we've always been more willing to grade more harshly than we needed to in the state test, writing test, right. than we needed to. I don't think that has anything to do with the no, I think you're right, Kruger. In effect, a sense, but, because we feel like. We're not meeting that. Well, okay, there we go. Yeah, I was thinking and about so this. So we think we're failing that. Now, when I have my students grade other people and put it on this gigantic spreadsheet, and then I average out all their grades, I get a real mushy, it all is between 87 and 93%. It all really, really comes together. When I grade, though, uh-huh. it's really scattered. You it's from the grade. Fs to As. Yeah. So... It's funny. Do you ever have your kids grade and then average out their grades? Never. Okay, like like group 
what's that called? Like a group project group? or something? Or? Yeah, but there's there's a word for this in economics and in statistics where y- if you have a group of people, guess how many jelly beans are in the jar. Uh-huh. The more people who guess and you average out their guesses, the more accurate, and that's called not group groupthink, which like is crowdsourcing. Crowdsourcing. I always forget that word. Yes, it's a good word. Crowdsourcing is so cool, but it doesn't work in my classroom. <laughs> Although the students yeah. love it because their uh, grades always go up. But anyway, I want to I want to get back and and read um, this one quote that I have on the the Dunning Kruger effect. Dunning, I think it was said, if you're incompetent, mm-hmm. you can't know you're incompetent. The skills you need to produce a right answer are exactly the same skills you need to recognize what a right answer is. So that kind of explains why the incompetent grade themselves higher. They don't even know how to judge themselves. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. Yeah. And and another um, Quote, this is all from Wikipedia. They have argued, the uh, researchers, that the incompetent suffer a double curse. Those who perform poorly in a domain are not only unskilled, but they are unaware of their lack of skill. Okay. True. Major implications for education. Mm-hmm. So we need to do a lot more like teaching the rubric. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they know how to judge themselves. And I feel like I don't do that nearly enough. I just skip over. I just do a cursory review of how they're going to be graded mm-hmm. instead of like spending more time on that. Actually, we all need to do that more. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. But I've the there been times Kruger. where I do it and then like you said, there's just so much to do, so little time. Yeah. Just skip right over it. Okay. I'm, this is, I'm totally prolonging this, but we'll, we'll do short the driving thing. I got to bring in two things, religion and Trump here. Go for it. I feel like Trump is like the ultimate exemplar of the Dunning-Kruger effect. I know words. I have the best words. Oh my he God, yes. He totally thinks he's doing a great job. Yes. And he's not. And, and oh no, I wanted to bring in three things. I want to bring in Trump, religion, mm-hmm. and women. Ooh. So now on to religion. I feel like religion is so awesome in that it constantly, almost... I think it's counterintuitive to constantly push humility. And it's hard to understand, well, why humility? Why humility? Why humility? We just have to, the more humble we are, the more correct we are, basically. Yeah. It's so cool. Humility is at the core of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then for women, there's um, sort of a, a side branch of this study that talks about why do so many incompetent men become leaders? And it has so much to do with this. Yeah. It, um, so this study showed that on average, men overestimate their abilities by 30%, whereas women only by 15%. But mm-hmm. duh. Right. I mean, don't we totally see this? Men are way more likely to be proud. Look at the last election. Yeah. The woman who was the most qualified won. Lost. So this guy who um, wrote this great article on this, his name is Thomas Chamorro Premusic. He um, wrote the article, Why Do So Many Incompetent Men Become Leaders? He uh, postulates three different reasons that most people give, and then he comes up with his own idea, which, he, um, which are totally different. Number one, that women are not capable. Okay, that's the hard right, believing that, right? Wow. Yeah. Number two, women aren't interested in being leaders. Okay, maybe wow. that's sort of like a centrist or a liberal saying they're not interested. Mm-hmm. I think that's wrong. I think it's wrong too. Yeah. Number three, they are both interested and capable but unable to break the glass ceiling, mm-hmm. an invisible career barrier. Okay, that's kind of the, hard, the um, realist. And that's there. where I'm at, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I am too. This guy says the main reason for the uneven management sex ratio is our inability to discern between 
Confidence and competence. Men have more confidence mm. and people who are choosing leaders choose confidence over competence. That and I sense. see it so much. I see all these confident people mm -hmm. becoming leaders and then they get into positions of power and they don't have any skills. No. And it's, it's just, it's a bad sign of our times. No, it's, bad, it's a bad sign of, of, of our history. Of humanity. And it's changing though. It's totally changing for the better. Totally. I'm gonna take my horse through the old town road. I'm gonna ride till I can't no more. I got the horses in the back, horse stock is attached. Head is mad at black, got the boosters black to match. Riding on a horse. Now, on to the main subject today. We're gonna to be talking about driving. Seems like kind of an inconsequential subject, but it's a subject that we all deal with constantly in our lives. I want to start with something pretty um, far out there. Mm -hmm. Not really. I don't think so. I've driven across the country many times, um, and I truly believe California drivers are the worst drivers. They are. Now, you've been across the country, or you're no. just... because I've been up we're, and down California. Right. I've been to Oregon. And, I've been and, to Vegas. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Because it's just... It's awful. Well, I, I don't know if it's just where we live. I don't either. Because the number one thing that'll piss me off, and this is, I'm jumping right into it. Yeah, get into it. But two things. Number one, though, is not using a turn signal. Okay, yes. How basic. Then there's his opposite. That's the guy who doesn't put his turn signal on until he's finished the turn. <laughs> he's going to tell you where he was. I have an issue on the freeway with people, and and I feel kind of hypocritical about this because I'm breaking the law, and I expect <laughs> people in the fast lane to get over. There's so many things that people in the fast lane do poorly. They don't get over, for one. Right. Often, have you ever been in the fast lane, and then the guy who was going the right speed suddenly slows down right next to the person in the slow lane. Yes. And then suddenly all these people start backing up behind these guys. You ever been behind somebody on like a two-lane road or something, somebody you cannot get around? You've been behind him already for like 18 minutes, and you want to get somewhere, and he's not moving at all. And did you ever get so pissed off that all you want to do now is catch up with him to see what the f*** he looks like? You know that feeling? I'm trying to figure out if that's totally... A dick move? <laughs> okay, a dick move or if it's subconscious. I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff on the road that are totally subconscious. I don't think, first of all, no. a lot of people even think about other drivers when they're on the road. They're not no. considerate. They're in their own little world. Right. That's why, like I said, with the turning signal. Yeah. Like, how hard is it to click that little lever? Yeah, right? so we know what's happening. But they don't care. They're in their own. Sometimes they don't check. Right. I've been sideswiped so many times. So oh I'm like, gosh. whoa, I have to be the one who's paying attention and alert. Because the other person on the road is not. Totally. I always tell my sons that driving is just like baseball. Baseball is a sport more than by far any other sport where you have to be ready. Even yeah. though you might have spent the whole game so bored because nothing's been hit to you, you have to be ready every single pitch yeah. for the ball to come to you. In driving, anybody at any time could swerve into your lane. And you always have to be, I tell my boys constantly, you always have to have that out. Yeah. And, and that's like the number one thing about saving your life and driving. Well, one time I was driving on State Street in Santa Barbara. And I was going towards the 101. And this lady was going, I guess it would be east on State Street. Mm -hmm. And it was going from like a two lane, but the right lane was a merging one. 
and she just totally didn't even realize that her what? lane was like merging, merging, and she, she ended up crossing you? and almost like crashing into me. Oh my gosh! One time I was driving and there was a guy ahead of me, and he kind of I don't know he sort of drifted into my lane for a second, and this came out of my mouth. I said, "Worthless piece of." People just don't pay attention. They yeah. don't pay attention to the lines on the road. They don't pay attention to other drivers. Yeah. They don't pay attention to the laws. There are the signs. Yeah. Here's another thing that, that proves that people don't pay attention. It's when you put your cruise control on the freeway. We're constantly going to Santa Barbara, speaking of Santa Barbara, to visit our son. And you put your cruise control on, and you got these people passing you. Right. And then slowing down and passing you and yeah. slowing down. It's like maybe consistency isn't like the standard we all should live by, but it seems like a pretty good standard that yeah. everybody should be pretty consistent. I understand when you're going up a hill, you need to slow down or going down a hill, but man, to be passing somebody and, and oftentimes getting in front of you when right. you have your cruise control on, oh God, it just kills me. Well, my thing is like, I yell at them in my <laughs> mind, pick a speed. Yeah, pick yeah. a speed. Exactly. <laughs> That's but, funny. But now I got it. Okay, real quick. Go for it. Yeah, yeah. Do you think the Dunning-Kruger effect is in play here? Yes. <laughs> we think we're so I'm better. a terrible driver. <laughs> I, I'm a, I mean, I've, had, I've gotten several tickets. I'll be honest with you. I've got, oh. I've got what, seven or eight speeding tickets in my lifetime. I've only gotten a few, but, like, those were when I was younger. I was more mm-hmm. reckless when I was younger. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, I was young and invincible. So do you think, like, speeding tickets is a good measure for, like, how good a driver you are? Definitely for being how a law abider, yes, yeah, or at least how lucky you are, <laughs> police officers. But um, to the to the drivers who go faster than you or slower than you, yeah, George Carlin has a bit oh, where he's like, "Have you ever noticed when you're driving that anyone who's driving slower than you is an idiot, <laughs> and anyone driving faster than you is a maniac?" <laughs> Say, look at this idiot here. Will you just look at this idiot just creeping along? Whoa, look at that maniac. Go! <laughs> I love it. That is sort of like the Dunning-Kruger effect. <laughs> but, like, yeah, writ large, for sure. Oh, uh, that makes me laugh. But it's true. It's like, maybe we are all biased. Like, everyone thinks they're oh, yeah. the standard for yep. how to drive. Uh, my wife, she, she's a good driver, but she's a terrible passenger. Do you ever have those backseat drivers? All my boys are. They think, really? I'm a, I'm a fast driver. Is there anyone out there who wants to go fast? Anybody? I want to go fast. I, I'm going to brag a little bit. This is the perfect Dunning-Kruger effect in the situation because I'm going right. to totally brag. And I always tell my sons, guys, if you're ever in a life or death situation where you need great evasive action, yeah. I'm the guy. Like one time we were coming home from Big Sur, <laughs> and this deer uh-huh. totally jumped right in front of us. And, I mean, I had to make such a split-second uh, decision. I could yeah. either just slam it into the deer. Right. Okay, on Big Sur, if you swerve to the right, you go off a cliff. Of course, right. right? So dead. we were coming south on Big Sur. But there was just enough of a soldier for me not only to swerve to the right, Mm-hmm. Not too far, and luckily I didn't uh, hit any kind of craziness where I had to uh, skid and off the cliff. <laughs> <laughs> You're still here. But I had to speed up, too, oh, wow. and hit this dirt patch in the shoulder. And the deer hit our side, the side of our expedition. Wow. And, you know, I don't know that we would have beat the deer in the expedition. It's a big car. Yeah. But I have a feeling we would have been... Damaged. Damaged, or maybe even... 
stranded in the middle of the night. We're coming home late. If we're talking about accidents and weird happenings, I was driving home from Lompoc down, what is that, Highway 1? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I remember the accident. Yeah, I was driving down that hill between Lompoc and uh, Orchid. And um, as I'm coming down, it's it's like 1 o'clock in the morning. It's pouring rain. And as I'm coming down this hill, I see a yellow sign with the deer on it. And I'm like, that would suck. Like, literally, my thought was, that would suck to hit a deer. I remember that so vividly. Okay. Because literally within seconds, my because it was raining and it was dark, my headlights shone on a shiny object. And it was I realized it was a car upside down, horizontally across both lanes. Holy shnikes. I swerved, but I still clipped, I still clipped the front end of the car, which was upside down. Oh my gosh. And I heard the people scream in the car. Oh my gosh, Jose. It was horrifying. My whole front left, the whole front driver's side was ripped out. I parked the car. It took me a moment to kind of catch my breath because I started like having like a mini panic attack, but then I got myself under control. Jumped out, ran to the car, helped the uh, passenger out. Did the car spin like a cartoon? Yes. 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 And they were all safe. I just spat on you. That's fine. You can spit all you want. <laughs> um, but no, so I helped the, the passenger out. And as we're, I'm helping him out, cars are coming. Oh, no. It's raining and dark. And, I just and it's downhill or it's at the it's, bottom of the hill. Downhill. They can't stop as it's easily. It's the middle of the downhill part. And these cars are swerving around us. I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my god! So we run around, and the passenger had a knife, and he cut the seatbelt, and we pulled the driver. Well, the driver, apparently, when I hit the car, passed out. Yeah. So he pulled him out, and he was unconscious. And we kind of got him to wake up. But cars then started stopping. They called the police, the, you know, the CHP. Before too long, the CHP showed up, ambulances. There was a fire truck. I remember just sitting on the side of the road. And it's like the, the sirens were going and like the red and blue lights were like going all through the area. But it was raining. It was really so surreal, surreal moment. I look over and they're loading those two kids into the ambulance. And the CHP officer is like, are you fine? Like, I'm totally good. Except I'm psychologically damaged. Psychologically now. damaged forever. So he took my information and I went home. My car was jacked. Okay, up. how did it work with the insurance? Did it work out well or poorly? Because I keep it worked on... out poorly. It took me about yeah. six months to get everything. Yeah, figured. car insurance doesn't often work out well. No, they were trying to pull some BS, like mm-hmm. trying to keep from paying me. Yeah, like what was your fault? I'm like, no, we had to go through the whole rigmarole. The kids ended up admitting like they went yeah. for a joyride in this car late at night. It was raining. The hydroplaned and flipped oh, the car, my. and we're rolling down the hill. Oh my! So it was. They're so lucky that they had you seriously behind them and not somebody else. Because if it's an old person, and I'm going to be brutal on old people, but they constitute such a high percentage of accidents. Yeah. All right. So here's another Lompoc story. I love driving on curvy roads. I'm Mm. a – I should be a race car driver. That's (laughs) – and – of course, between Lompoc, you can either take the one which Jose took because he's a wuss, or you can take um, what's the what's the canyon that goes over across? Yeah, I know what that's called. But... Oh my gosh, I'm gonna look it up. We're gonna pause right now. I'm gonna look pause. it up. Pause. It's, it's this 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 route that people go on when they're gonna look at missiles. But anyway, so I'm on this this road, this really windy road that goes over the hills. I think it was there before the highway one. And I can't remember the name of it right now. It's killing me. I'm old. <laughs> and um, it was barely misting that night. I'm coming home from a basketball game. I got my son, my middle son, in the 
passenger seat and my um, youngest son in the back seat. And I'm in my stick shift, cool, focus station wagon. 1992 or 2002, nice. I think it is. And I love stick shifts. And I'm just cruising along. I'm probably going too fast, but having a great time. I'm forgetting about how wet the road is. We come to a pretty gnarly curve. Mm-hmm. I tap on my brake a little bit too hard. Uh-huh. And because the road is slick, I just start sliding. Oh, no. And it's crazy because instead of doing what you should do, which is pump the brakes, mm-hmm. I slam the brakes oh. at that point. And if another car had been coming the other way, we would have died. But instead, I just shoot right past the curve, right towards the cliff. And, and I just, we just kept on sliding. I swear it felt like uh, an eternity. It was probably all happened like in five seconds. Five seconds, though, sliding. It probably wasn't five seconds, but it was a long time sliding. It goes by super slowly. Oh, my gosh. And I'll never forget, and my boys always joke, the words were, as they are mortified, as we're going towards this cliff yeah. and thinking we're going to shoot over it. I mm-hmm. so I say, here we go. <laughs> and that was it. And we're just quiet, slowly sliding towards the cliff. We get to the edge of the cliff. Yeah. We hit a bush and stop. And I had to call a tow truck to pull us out of, of the cliff. Then when the po- tow truck driver gets there, he his, uh, his headlights are brighter than ours. And I see that we would have just gone down a little embankment and not died. And Still not, scary. But it was, yeah, it was just like a cartoon. Our, my car was sort of dangling over it's the side. On yeah, the- <laughs> it, was, it was just like a cartoon. Yeah, that's crazy. Oh, man. But here, here's another thing that bugs the heck out of me with drivers. People that are trying to pass you, uh-huh. and especially in the fast lane, and you're trying to pass this slow guy in front of you, and so they're behind you on your bumper, like yes. saying, dude, why aren't you going faster? I'm like, hello, idiots. Hello. I got a person in front of me. Exactly. And so they get in the right lane. Uh-huh. They try to pass. And uh-huh. here's what I do. And it's so stupid. I'm a race car driver. I'm sorry. I will yeah. not let them pass me on the right if you. there's a slow driver ahead uh-huh. of me in the fast yeah. lane. Good for you. Because I'm like, no, man, wait your turn. I am the worst person I can be when I'm behind the wheel, which is when I'm in my most dangerous I'm first, ass. What? Yeah. No, what do you do? Have you, has that ever happened to you? All the time. So okay. what I do is, if I see them going, I just turn into the right lane. Yeah. What do you? Oh my goodness! To get out of the if way. I see the person coming from behind me. You right. Mean, right. Yeah. I'll just turn to the right lane. Yeah. And, and then, then I'll just go. go around the slow car. Gotcha. No, but I'm saying there's two cars. There's a car oh, in the fast and, and a car the slow. They're going oh, the same speed. So you can't get around them. And they, or there's a line of cars in the slow lane. Yeah, I see. <laughs> And the car behind you is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, you're the intric- intricacies of freeway yeah. driving. You're just trapped. Yeah, you're but trapped. What, but what about like, all right, so this this idea was suggested to me a long time ago, actually, by one of our listeners. Her name is Diane. So I hope you're enjoying listening, Diane. I hope. Diane, um, she's probably right now listening and entering all of her patient's data into her little computer. Nice. She's awesome. But anyway, what really bugs me, and we talked about this, she and I, was people don't know how to use roundabouts. <laughs> so when I delivered pizzas, when so I would true. approach a roundabout, I would always have my hand on the horn <laughs> because people don't know how to use it. So if you're in the right lane, you're supposed to turn right. You go right, bro. There are some roundabouts that don't have that rule. Like there's a 
boatload in, in Europe, and a lot of them oh, don't yeah. have that rule. But almost all of them, that one over by uh, Walmart, mm-hmm. they all have that rule in Santa Maria. Yeah. And no, nobody knows that. And then they have to wedge into you. Yeah. And it's super dangerous because if yeah. you're in the left lane or the center lane, you go through the roundabout. Yeah. You're not expecting that the dude in the right lane that's supposed to turn is going to try to squeeze in. Yeah. And you can always tell because, you know, there's usually like a, like a line of cars in that left lane and some jagweed in the right lane <laughs> wants to cut yeah, ahead and then squeeze in because yep. they can't wait five seconds. It happens so often. Now, even with all the roundabout issues, and there are tons, uh-huh. I actually prefer them to stop signs, though, because sometimes when oh, yeah. there's nobody there, it's like, cool. I'd be stopped, or we do the pretend stop in California, of course. California stop? Yeah, we don't really stop. And and then we just, like, you don't have to stop, and it's nice. But, dude, you have not been into a, in a roundabout until you've been to, to Paris or Rome. Mm. I've been in the middle of a roundabout. I swear it took me 20 minutes to get out. Isn't that like it one movie? crazy! Isn't that like European vacation movie with Chevy Chase? I guess what we do is just drive around this circle here. Was it? There's a, I'm going to go stuck. watch that because that... Oh, is that a cliche? They're stuck should be. in the roundabout and I think they're in Paris. Or maybe they're in Italy. Nice. They're stuck in the roundabout and they keep going, and there's the offer. Oh, I remember it, but they're the... actually moving. I know. I can't seem to get over to the left, honey. I'll try next time. <laughs> Sorry. I was circles at a circles. standstill. Yeah, oh, they kept okay. on moving. They're trying to get over. That's they were right. driving in I circles. I remember that, yeah. yeah. It's amazing. I cannot get left. There's Big Ben kids, Parliament. <laughs> European drivers are nutty. And here's the other issue about European drivers. Mm-hmm. I am totally for the Autobahn rules in the United States. Really? Now, Just go. in Germany, the drivers rock. Mm-hmm. If you're in the fast lane, in Germany, mm-hmm. and you're going slower than than other fast lanes, they will honk. They will flash co- constantly. They have no patience. I'm one of the worst drivers I've ever seen, and I just want you all to know that if you're ever on the highway behind me, uh, I hear you honking, <laughs> and I also don't want me to be doing what I'm doing. Wow. And I can't imagine what it's like for German drivers when they get here. They're like, are you kidding? These American drivers are nutty. But everything is so logical and smooth there. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's like they're all going at the speed of traffic. Oh, yeah. And we're all about like, well, it says 65, so let me go 65 in the fast lane. Right. No, dude, go 65 in the middle lane. Yeah. There, they're like... They're all going different uh, speeds in the in the fast lane, and some of them are going literally 100. Some of them are going 110, 120 even. And everyone just is constantly paying attention, and they just get over when they need to, when they see those guys, um, because, man, they come on fast. What are things – so I think a problem that we're having in our society, and it's totally reasonable in a, in a, in a sense, road rage. Thousands of these other cars, many of them with people who have licenses apparently, and they get just so pissed off. Some of these people in their cars, they get just so Pissed off. You get so pissed off, you know what I mean? You get so pissed off that you forgot where you're going? Oh my gosh. What triggers road rage for you? I think of the, uh, the things that I've said already, but when it seems like it's not subconscious and you're in the middle of nowhere, and this has happened to me several times, and 
I'm not, I'm not ever, I totally believe in the two or three second following distance because that's uh-huh. one of the number one safety issues in driving, just getting right. too close to the people, especially on a freeway ahead of you. So I stay back. I'm not putting any pressure for this guy to pass the guy in the slow lane. I'm in the middle of nowhere. There's very few cars, and they just slow down right next mm-hmm. to the guy in the slow lane. I just start losing it. I mean, I cuss. My kids have to <laughs> yeah. calm me down. I'm going to admit something right now. This happened to me when we were taking Soren to back to college uh, real late at night, and I went around them mm-hmm. in the shoulder. Oh, really? I went around them to the left on the fast lane. Uh-huh. It was horrible, Jose. I'm so you were bad. overtaken with the rage. I was. That was. Yeah. I had tons of room, and it was a nutty deal. And I totally probably might have been arrested if they uh-huh. saw me, but. I did it anyway because they were so slow wow. and they had to have done it on purpose. And I hadn't done anything to them. I didn't right. have – what about brights? Have you ever been – I'll do that. I flash the brights. Yeah. I'm like, let's go. It's time to move. So what about you? What rages you? Well, I think for me, it's, it's someone's tailgating me. Oh, yes. People tailgating, I just – I can't stand that. A lot of people slam on their brakes, which is so foolish. You know, try to get the people from tailgating, get them off their back. No, I, I carry a stuffed dog in the car. People get too close, I just roll down the window and toss them out. Oh, they hang back after that. Especially if I'm going above and beyond the speed limit. But also people who cheat. So, for example, Ooh, yes. I was in a situation where I was stuck in traffic and, like, maybe a half a mile ahead was the off-ramp. Well, people ahead, I needed to get off that off-ramp, too. No. But people, like, way behind me were... Driving in the shoulder. Right, right. And just driving past and going on the off-ramp. And I was like, no, that. I'm waiting. You're going to wait. Hell yeah. And so finally, I was just like, no, I've had enough of this So I actually, this car pulls out. I see it in my rear mirror. They're pulling out, and they're going to take the shoulder. I'm like, not tonight, ass. Yeah. So I, like, pulled out, and I basically. You're going to get shot. So I, That's the thing nowadays. You don't know. You kill you. Yeah. Well, this I could have been killed for reals because I actually pulled out and blocked this person. Did you sink down in your seat so I, that the headrest was like covering your head? I should have because <laughs> when the person actually approached me, it was a CHP officer, <laughs> <laughs> and they gave me the dirtiest look. <laughs> they were just mad dogging me. I love it. That's funny. And then they turned their sirens on. Uh, I backed up. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I waved. Sorry. I was like. I Try to mouth to them like people are cutting. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Like, sorry, they're, so they're cutting. So if your car had a tail, it would have been between yeah. the wheels. Have you ever been face to face with a police officer and wondered, is he about to kick my ass? For, yeah, pretty much. And it, it, I was just—it was so embarrassing. I'm just like, I will never do that again. Oh man, I'm I with care. you. Though. I'm with you. I, I, I feel it. But I might have been one of those people like, hey, might as well make use of the shoulder. Let's go. Come on. Instead of getting in front of me, just follow me here. Get in front of me. Take the shoulder if you're going to get off. I'm such a rule follower, yeah. I guess. I'm like, we're all going to wait yeah. and take the off-ramp together. But Dude, one time. That pisses me off. There, This little retirement home right here on Stoll and Broadway used to be oh, called yeah. Vandenberg Inn. Uh-huh. Vandenberg Inn. It used to be a hotel. And um, they used to use the lobby for traffic school. Mm-hmm back when you couldn't do it online. So I got my first ticket and I get there mm-hmm. and I'm all ready to pay. Everyone's in line paying and the thing's about to start. I have to get this thing. My parents insist right. on it because their insurance is going to go up. I yeah. give them my 20 bucks and I see the sign 20 miles, 21 bucks. Uh-huh. I'm like, what? I thought it was 20 bucks. Uh-huh. Who does things 21 bucks? 
So I, number. I jump in my car. I race home. I get in my parents' what was my home, right. drive, uh, parking lot. I grab another buck from my room. I come out, and there's a cop behind me. <gasps> I kid you not. Are you serious? I got ticketed coming home to get an extra dollar <laughs> for driving <laughs> school. school. Oh, wow. man. It was horrible. That's funny. I did something similar to that where I was at Hancock. I was going to college. Your mom goes to college. And I forgot a book at home. Hmm. So I like, had to flip around, go back home, pulled up into the driveway. I didn't even close the door. I left the door to my car open, ran in the house real fast. See, that should be a free pass. You leave your door open, you're in a rush. Come on, cops. Yeah. Well, what happened actually was not a cop. When I came back out to the car, what? my car was in the middle of the street. What? Because I forgot to put the parking brake on. And my car oh, rolled down the driveway. No. I was freaking out. I was like, if a car had been driving or yeah. if there was a car parked. Oh, that's Because my funny. car went down the driveway and ah. backwards. <laughs> it was like Mr. Magoo. It totally hit. It missed everything. Yeah. It probably missed like 20 obstacles. It missed like other like, you know, mailboxes and stuff. I'm like, oh my God, it's so mortifying. I love it. Yeah. Just running the house real fast. Yeah, you, you, you're careless. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. And then here's, what, here's another thing. What about yellow lights? Are yellow lights a sign for you to stop? Or do you just like see yellow lights as a sign to like go on through? See, like I like to think, and here's my Dunning-Kruger pride getting in the way, mm-hmm. that I can judge if I have enough time to actually there you go. Do you know all you have to do is get like a, a millimeter of your bumper mm-hmm. into the sidewalk area while it's still yellow to be legal? Really? Yeah. You don't have to like wow. be even fully into the intersection when it turns red. Of course, who wants to take that chance? Not me. No, right. As soon as it's yellow, I stop. All my all the shit in my car goes flying forward as I put the brake on. See, I think that you and I would not do we would not do well together in a car. <laughs> I've been in the car when you've driven before though. No, I know, and I've been in the car with you and I don't think anything of it. So maybe well, we go we go to like McDonald's or Subway real yeah. fast. We don't we go on cross country trips true. or anything. But that's true. Yeah, I that would a, tick me off, dude. Dude, are you kidding me? You had that yellow. I'm a totally cautious driver. I'm very defensive. But you know what? You're gonna live. I'm gonna live. Yeah. See, my wife likes to run those yellows. My wife yeah. also describes herself like a NASCAR driver. Yeah. Okay. She's, She's like, like, I could me. totally be a NASCAR driver. Yeah. She's like, I could, I could totally beat that Danica Patrick on the road. Yeah, that's funny. She's like me, man. What are the statistics on driving death? It's pretty high, it's especially high. for young and old drivers. It's like number three or four for mortality rates. Oh, yeah. If you get in the car, especially if you're a teenager, you're more likely to be killed by that than anything else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's fascinating. It's, it's crazy. You're putting your, you're putting your life you know, on the line every time. Yeah. Ugh. Now, I got one more thing. I would totally be in favor of a one-speed mandate on the freeways mm. and on city streets. This is a funky deal, but when like when everybody has to do things societally, yeah, you know, I think like a one-rule deal works. Mm. I think that like on the freeway, they should mandate you not go even sixty-five or or seventy-three. You just go seventy. Everybody goes mm. 70 exactly. I think it would solve a ton of and, – and then you just put your cruise control on that speed yeah. and you're set. And in this little lane, it might be a few, you know, but I don't know. So That's I think a, that might happen a lot in of the ideas. future. That could oh, yeah. That future. is going to happen. With like automated cars. Oh, no way. I just thought of that. Yeah. Like, well, well, you just, just helped me think of that. Get in the car. We'll go to sleep. The car will drive yeah. at a set speed. That's right. But they're all going to be facing or following the same algorithm. Yeah, exactly. And we don't have to do anything. Huh. So I keep hearing people say, oh, well, someone got run over by like – 
you know, a smart car yeah. or a self-driving car. Okay, well, how many people got run over by cars driven by people? If they don't make that comparison, it's going to, they will, of course, but any deaths that happen, and that will happen with smart cars, yeah. it's going to be way less than way, humans. Way less. So come on. Human error will be removed from right. altogether. Yeah. And that's going to be the impediment, though, for getting smart cars. And I want to be able to fall asleep on the way to San Francisco, like leave oh, at yeah. two in the morning, get there. Dude, I, once it gets dark, I start falling asleep. Yeah. I don't care, like, if I'm driving from here to Lompoc or yeah. here to Disneyland, yep. I'm getting sleepy, and my wife has to take over. <laughs> I don't know what it is. I think it's because when I was a baby, my parents would put me in the car. Oh, there's nothing like cars. Oh. Yeah. And so I, I think that still stays with me. But, yeah. yeah. All right, Joel, so as we wrap up, what have you watched or listened to or read this week? I have thoroughly enjoyed the new season of Game of Thrones. I think that I might have mentioned already the first episode a couple weeks ago. Mm -hmm. But this third episode that just happened, and I'm not going to – I hope I don't do any spoilers, but it was so awesome. And a lot of people are complaining about how dark it was. The lighting was not typical of your – Huge movies, and I found it so refreshing and so creative and so new that it was lifelike. And so you mm-hmm. were living what these warriors were living in the dark, fighting people. It wasn't lit up, and it made it so cool. And it was chaotic, and it should be war is chaotic. It's a huge battle scene. Wow! I won't go beyond that, but man, I love that show. And and the, the, the most recent episode was just outstanding. And the upcoming episodes are going to be so fun. Because they're going to go find out how to deal with this. Now, make sure you beep this out. But this <laughs> hater, Cersei. And I can't oh, wait Cersei. for to, I hope they get her. I, just, I could just see these guys making Cersei win. Making Cersei the queen. I could just you see it so? just to blow us all out of the water. Because that's been the trend of the show. But I to feel disappoint like, us. I feel like the trend is to disappoint. But I feel like it's the two steps back, one step forward. In terms of Jon Snow eventually taking on the... Yeah, that's what I hope. Or if not Jon Snow, then maybe Danny or even, man, Arya would be cool if she took over. But Is she the one? I, I don't know about the show. I just hear it occasionally on my podcast that I was into and whatnot. But they, okay, we were talking about... Is she the one who's this last episode started to express herself sexually? Yes, for sure. She started, man. She must have been 15, mm-hmm. what, seven or eight years ago when this show started. And now she's doing sex scenes, nude in the show. Oh, wow. It was kind of weird because you know her as a little kid. Yeah. But we've talked earlier about how in, in um, culture and arts, women are ascendant. Yeah. And this show is totally pushing that. And it's, this is a great trend in culture, I feel. Women are rocking it. So yeah, they're rocking In um, Yeah, there's Captain Marvel. Yeah. There's the chicks in this show. There's also in Endgame, there was that scene, no spoilers, where all the chicks, all the like superhero chicks came together and this like very like powerful moment, um, posing all badass and whatnot. It seems like women are culturally kind of coming to the fore. I just, I want more subtlety in it because I don't feel like these um, producers are portraying women the way they should be portrayed in my eyes as a man. (laughs) (laughs) They should be portrayed not as whooping ass with their with their might with their power with their muscles Mm -hmm. women always kick ass through 
their sensibility, through yeah. their wisdom, through their patience, through their and we talked about this earlier, yeah. through their humility, through their you lack know? of confidence. And it's so yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> But that's been that's always how it's been portrayed, right? Lack yeah. of confidence. No, it's humility, and it's so hard though to write a story where somehow humility wins, right? Right. Exactly. But it's so fun when that happens, and it happens well. Well, just look at you know Star Wars. The you know we have yeah. Skywalker Rising that's coming out that's in December, fun. and Ray. That's another like one. She's the heroine here. It's so. so it's such a switch that would not have happened when we were kids. No, not at all. What do you got? This last week, my wife and I have been really obsessed with watching 2020 specials right. on Hulu. I got it. I got it. Toast. Yeah. Toast. 2020. All these years. I wonder how many years it's been on. Many years. Many decades. But they are rocking it. My wife and I watched the one on Ted Bundy. Mm. And my wife doesn't like horror films, scary movies. But we're watching all these serial killer 2020 specials. Like Ted Bundy's like going across states and killing people. Mm. And, you know, he's very... He was very intellectual in terms of how he was manipulating people. And was how he, he tried from to... Atlanta or Minnesota? Or... No, he was like in Oregon and oh, okay. uh, you know, Washington and all that, that kind of area, northwest. I'm trying to remember his story. And then yeah. like the BTK killer, like he stopped killing people only because you know he was a dad and church leader in a Lutheran church. <laughs> oh, really? He was a Boy Scout leader. Whoa. So he stopped killing people. And then like 10 years ago, he sent a taunting letter to a newspaper and that's how they caught him. He just could oh not stop goodness. himself. He had a taunt a newspaper about how he was still alive. They hadn't caught him. Got him. And it's all pride, these, male pride, right there. Male pride, exactly. Yeah. And it's just all these, you know, wives killing their husbands or moms killing their kids. And oh, it's crazy. Well, you know, we talked about this so much. You cannot beat in in art what happens in real life because people right. would not believe it. They would just they would blush with with incredulity. It's funny that. I guess real life is, like you were saying, crazier than art or anything we can make. But my wife is just not into this stuff. But for whatever reason, these 2020 specials, she is all about. So we've been watching them almost every night this week. Now. It's amazing. Is this an in for horror movies, which you love? Does she like horror? She's not. I love this horror movies. might be. You're, you're going to say I to kinda, her someday, hey, why this and not that? Well, we already watched a couple weeks ago. We watched um, Get Out. Oh, loved it. Loved it. And she's... Tempted to watch Us, which I is by Jordan. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet either, but she's tempted. But those are both horror films. They were weird in that Get Out was this weird mix of comedy, horror, drama at times, yeah. social commentary. I have never seen such a genre-shifting movie. Yeah. Well, like in the previous episode, we discussed how comedians have a dark side. Oh, yeah. And for whatever reason, this dark side makes it to where they can tap into horror films. Yes. Like yes. that Danny McBride guy, he always plays this goon, this moronic goon. He's like in Southbound and Down. I'm trying to remember. He's in like all these like Will Ferrell movies. He's kind of a heavy set dude, curly yeah. hair, beard. Yeah. He did the new Halloween movie. Yeah. He, I think he directed the new Halloween movie, like the, the Michael Myers one. But it, yeah, horror horror films done by comedians. It's well, I wish you luck in converting her. Thank you. Someday you might you might do it. Right, if I can just uh, convert Krista. <laughs> She's not into horror films. Oh no, and and I got her to this is our um, into Get Out because mm-hmm. it was not portrayed originally as a horror film. So that's sort of oh, interesting okay. that you got the same thing. Interesting. Yeah. So this you got to you got to go through like side doors here. Yeah. So I think because she liked that one, she's willing to see us. Yeah. But I think us might be a little more. Yeah. Oh no, there's no doubt so, about it. Yep. Gotta watch that one. Very cool. 
All right. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us on our humble little podcast. Humble. That's the word of the day. You can do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show wherever you listen to podcasts, such as Stitcher, Podbeam, Google Play, iTunes. Be sure to rate our show, please. Leave a review. Your rating will help others find the show. And be sure to find us on Facebook and Instagram at Conversation on Tap. Thank you and amazed that you guys listen. And we'll see you next week. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. Our podcast is awesome. We do such a great job. That was good. Is that sort of the hub? I just got that. I didn't even understand. Dude, what are you doing? Well, and I'm like, the, oh, what are you doing? Oh, the, I did it now. The Denning Kruger effect. So I was like, I was like, hmm. <laughs> what are you doing? Dude? That was so funny.